Hello and welcome to another episode of the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by my wonderful co-host Tom. Hello. And uh, sorry we took a week off there. Uh, I know we said we'd be a weekly and like two or three episodes into that we, we had to skip a week. Uh, sorry, I got uh, really sick last week so we had to kind of take a take a break. But that's not so bad because it got it gave me the opportunity to actually watch the film and the miniseries. Oh yes, yes, we'll uh, we'll get into that uh, very shortly. So yeah, it, we've uh, almost overprepared for this episode. Um, but before we get into that, th- I just want to quickly point out uh, this is the first episode we're recording post uh, the ninety second Academy Awards. I'll do that again without a dog sneezing. Uh, just want to quickly say at the top of the. <laughs> <laughs> we're leaving that in now. Yeah, that's too many, my, that's too my many dog sneezing a lot. Too many dog sneezes had to leave it. Yeah, anyway, so first episode we're recording post the ninety second Academy Awards. Parasite fucking won. <laughs> I was, I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's the first. I ended up having a look back like through all the Best Picture winners, and I reckon it's the first time. Mm, probably like my taste in the Academies is lined up since maybe 92, 91 with um, Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe 2006 <laughs> with The Departed, maybe. But I, d- I don't know if I'd put Departed as my favourite film of that year, but I do fucking love The Departed, but yeah. That's uh, really good. I, I'm, I am surprised, but um, I think it's, it's great to see so- something that would not otherwise become mainstream. Yeah has become mainstream. Yeah. I think there's like 400% ticket sales, even though it's out on fucking Blu-ray. Yeah, it's out on, you know, VOD, Blu-ray, DVD, and it's still cranking into the cinemas. It's back in the top 10 of the box office here in Australia. Uh, here in Melbourne, it's become the number one grossing film of all time at Cinema Nova, like this wonderful little art house cinema we have here. Um, yeah. Fantastic. It's uh, gone, It's now broken over $200 million worldwide. Like, huge. I think it's... I mean, like, I was watching Red Letter talking about Parasite, and they said, you know, who gives a fuck about Oscars? And I would agree with them usually, but I think at this stage, it's really nice to see the Oscars inspire people to go see films that's outside their comfort zone. Yeah. So they're contributing back to um, to the landscape of cinema at that point. Yeah, and it, and it actually seemed like they picked a film that... The majority of people agreed was one of, one of, if not the best film of the year, not... This not the green book of the year. I'm not going for the safe bet, which everyone thought it would probably go to with 1917 or something. Like 1917 is a fine film, but it's the safe, easy ask. You know that's that's the pick. Like you know that or you know to expecting. a lesser degree the Irishman maybe. Like you know not not diminishing that film, um, but it's you know it, it's the safer, more obvious pick. It's not going for something different, unique, bold, uh, just different. I guess. Uh, it's funny that people don't watch films just because they go, it's got subtitles. I don't have time for that. I am fucking flabbergasted by how many people Me too. that is an issue for. I used to be like that, though. I, you yeah. know, when I was younger, like pre, I don't know, pre Life is Beautiful. But you know, I see, like, that's, yeah, that's like 98, 99. Like, that's still, like, ages ago. That's like 20 something years yeah. ago. But that's what I mean. Like, I, I saw that film, I was like, oh, I should really. Um, step into this whole international film scene because it's fucking fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it's just a matter of practice makes makes perfect with being able to dissect reading the subtitles as well as, like, then compute... Like, you know, your brain computing the images and 
the tone and the inflection of you know how the actors are saying it. I, I don't know, but it, it's just great that that's happening and that that happened, I should say. And um, the other big one is uh, they Criterion have announced that Parasite will be going to Criterion. <laughs> so we'll we'll talk about this in I don't know fifty years. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Really good. Really good. But of course, we are very accustomed to watching films with subtitles and uh, segue to Scenes from a Marriage. Yes. Today's film. Yes, the Ingmar Bergman uh, miniseries slash film from 1973 slash 1974. Yeah, miniseries primarily. Yeah, it originated as a a six-part miniseries that then uh, was a massive fucking hit uh, across Europe and things and then got trimmed down into a... uh, Sort of, what was it, two and a half hour to to, to our 40 minute film version? Yeah. Uh, And so I I watched both of them. I watched the miniseries. I watched the film and then I watched the miniseries because you you were sick and I said, well, I got some time. Yeah. And um, I unfortunately, I did not have time. (laughs) I I only watched the uh, the film, so. That's okay. Yeah. I think that's. It kind of that kind of works actually for a, a discussion. We yeah, compare and contrast. Exactly. If we'd both watched it, it would be like a lot of yeah, I know, right? Mm. <laughs> Whereas this time, you can actually explain and elaborate. So, well, they both start off in the same place, and that is we meet Johan, who's married to Marianne, mm-hmm. who are getting interviewed by a reporter. Yeah, and this is the the opening of the film, the opening of our characters, and you can see straight away that these this couple is putting on an air of isn't our marriage so wonderful and perfect although it is kind of they're putting out some kind of twisted image of what it actually is not just that it's a wonderful place of where our characters start Mm -hmm. um and like from an evolutionary point and an arc from which they you know they're gonna either grow or change negatively or positively, like, regardless of... Like, you know, either way that you see it. Um, I actually have uh, the lines written down of their introductions. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the interviewer asks, like, uh, you know, just explain, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? And Johan, being uh, the man, just immediately jumps in. He's like, yeah, I got this. He's like, "Uh, it it might sound conceited to say, but I'm highly intelligent, youthful, successful, sensible, sexy... I don't care if the world. I don't care about the world we live in. I'm educated, well read. I'm a good mixer. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm a good friend, even to people who are worse off than me. Uh, I'm good at sports. I'm a good husband and a good son. I have no debts, and I pay my taxes. I respect our government, no matter what it does. I love our royal family. I've left the state church. I'm a splendid lover. And Marianne's response is: I'm married to Johan, and I have two daughters. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, that's you can where see, we start. <laughs> you can see how it's it's a really brutal beginning to a story. Yeah, yeah. So like instantly, I from that was like, okay, this is going to be one of those like this, is, it, a, this is a Bergman film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like, and the oppression here is not necessarily. He, he's taking a bolder step, and he's elaborating. He's you know moving on from. Uh, man's relationship to God to man's relationship with man, essentially, like, it, and exploring that within the prism of a marriage and how that can either um, kind of release someone or give them their kind of freedom and their empowerment, or it can kind of constrict and confine someone. Mm. And uh, that's where we're opening with someone who is using their marriage as, or what they perceive as their relationship as something to absolutely bolster themselves up 
and like uh, you know pure confidence and have no shame <laughs> and versus someone who finds themselves like I don't really uh, okay I'm waffling a bit here like conciser Johan thinks he knows who he is Marianne has no idea who she is yeah is where we're starting but she's and she's also kind of okay with not outputting this false image of herself to yeah. some degree too whereas he is very much almost like a superficial character very I mean I I, I kind of he's kind of fuckwit oh d- definitely I um, mean he's reacting to he's responding to to his life kind of naturally yes but yes. at the same time he's he's not he's, he's he doesn't allow himself to look inward if at all no no and and see that like what I'm saying there about how like he it ends up being uh, you know, I was saying Marianne doesn't know who she is, and um, Johan knows seemingly knows exactly who he is. But it's actually you could argue the complete opposite. Johan is waffling and saying all of that bullshitty, you know, self-aggrandizing shit um, because he doesn't actually know who he is. So he's just trying to slap on all these labels of what he thinks he is perceived as, whereas Marianne does know. She's like, I'm just this. Yeah. But then, and, and or she's more comfortable with not knowing how to define herself. Yeah, and there's, I think, I think it's 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 Bergman taking a lens to um, middle class marriage and the yep. fact that it's some kind of social structure that people can adhere themselves to and build themselves up as the and that's the base. Yeah. But then he's really trying to examine the the bullshittiness of it. I don't know if there's a better word. Probably there's probably yeah. a better word than bullshittiness. No, it works. Um, but then you can follow the whole character arc from there. So um, as you watch it, certainly, I think, certainly in the miniseries, it's a more drawn out. The screenplay is way better. I mean, it's it's the screenplay and mm. to get the abridged version of the film is you're kind of missing out on, on things. So I'd like to first start by saying that if you haven't watched this and you're trying to figure out do I do the film or the miniseries, I would recommend the miniseries even though it's it's six episodes of 40 to 50 minutes each. So it's like five hours. Yeah, about five hours, 20, something like that, yeah. Or you can watch the film which is half yeah. half of that. Um, but did you experience during watching the film a kind of it, it, a jarring sensation each time it jumps from from one scene each episode is a scene yeah and and you get like uh these uh title cards like a white text over a green kind of title card sort of yeah. setting up where we are or like you know just a, a little yeah chapter heading essentially did you experience a, a jarring sensation uh, as you were f- jumping a little bit the first time and then um once once that had happened i kind of had the realization of oh we're doing time jumps as well here it's not necessarily yeah, that's true. You, you know, a natural progression. So no, I and, and like I think knowing that it was a miniseries as well like helps break down the episodic nature and yeah, it's like oh we're in a different progression here and we're moving along throughout this narrative here. Mm. So the first it was slightly jarring, but I think it like not not overly no. Okay, well, I would suggest that yeah, definitely go into the the miniseries uh, over and above the film. Um. Because you can really get a deeper understanding, and and plus, I find, I find the characters to be really engaging, despite the fact that the production value is very minimal. Yeah, I mean the only the only the first episode where you see the reporter, you're viewing 
you're viewing that scene through the lens of the reporter's cameraman. Mm-hmm. Everything else beyond that is literally just put a camera down on a tripod and and just kind of let the, the scene play out like it's a theater piece almost. And then but it's it- very minimal. Like you're not get driving. Sometimes there's the push in, yeah, and pull back. To, to go into close to someone's face, but otherwise you just experience the actors as if it is like the taped interview or whatever. But is that only for the part one, and then the dinners with the other couple is part two, the next chapter? No, that's all part. That's, that's, all, that's all still that's, part one. It's yeah, all part one. That's what that's I still thought. episode one. Yeah. Um, there's the differences with the miniseries is first of all uh, the title sequences don't have that green background. Yeah, which I kind of they have a white background with I think black text. Yeah, um, and I kind of like the green because it. It's kind of the color envy, mm. and it seems like Johan is very envious of everything else, despite he's the, despite him saying like, "Hey, man, like my this life is, is the perfect, perfect and I'm, life. yeah, and I'm I'm to be envied myself as opposed to be the one that is envying." Yeah. So I I, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I, I would say they chose green because yeah, color of envy, and it kind of makes sense. Mm. Um, but other than that, would it be a surprise you to say? Actually, no. Before I go into that. Um, I think it's also really cool how it goes from the reporter scene straight to a dinner party sequence yes. where you get the compl- a, a juxtaposition between Johan and Marianne who are, they have a shitty relationship. It's, let's say, dispassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than, say, address this problem of dispassion in a marriage, they just put on an air of like, hey, it's, it's okay. Mm. We're, we don't really love each other, but we're supporting each other and that's good that means it's the marriage is going fine let's put you right up against our friends a couple who is also having a shitty marriage but they are very passionate people and they have no problems with putting out a false image they're they're letting it all hang out that neither of them are happy in this they don't care about a false image they're like we're we're fucked and (laughs) we fucking hate each other let me show you yeah yeah uh, which is it's kind of great like right off the bat that's what this does so wonderfully it is like we introduce to these characters as having a fucking article written about how they are the exam- the example of a perfect marriage seemingly and then we're immediately hit with like multiple examples of a not good marriage or a marriage ending or a marriage not working like you have the friends at the dinner party um, which is just a wonderfully acted scene there um, uh, and then you've got uh, Marianne is a therapist and, and she's a lawyer actually oh sorry a lawyer yeah she works for a divorce lawyer that's more clear in the miniseries yeah sorry I don't know why I said therapist no because no, I also was confused I, I got confused no she's definitely a lawyer sorry um, it's been a couple of days it's been like a week or so since I watched this this is, like, <laughs> this is why the miniseries is better because it's just it, it's what's out. actually happening yeah um, but she is helping a old woman a client of hers, an older woman who is divorcing her husband. And she's like, why are you getting divorced? And she's like, we just don't love each other. And it's just that kind of franked matter of factness of like, we just did it. Like, you know, we went through the motions and then we just, there's a thing of don't, we just don't love each other. Like why we, it, it comes down to that lady who's, who's, I think she's, I mean, she's fucking old lady Mm. and she wanted to get a divorce 20 years ago, but she didn't because they have kids and just like Johan reckons, it's a it's a contract, a social contract. Yeah. That you, I mean, I like the scene where Johan says, you know, marriage should be, you know, renewed every five years with a contract or even annually. It's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. This old lady that says, I waited to do this divorce till my kids grew up 
because there's this kind of social contract going on and, and everyone uh, so I think that's true across the board the societal norms of world. you know you have both parents in the house and divorce is something that like you know yeah the family unit is almost like a holy thing that can't change mm. and again especially in you know the early 70s and stuff like you know divorce was not you know as prevalent as it is nowadays so. yeah it doesn't I like the, I like how the film doesn't go into religion and the like it's tied to marriage and really just looks at um, marriage as a as a contract between two people and and you know the collateral is the family unit but. yeah that, that's why I think I liked this so much because it was Bergman stepping away from man's relationship with God and all of that stuff it, it's actually him shifting into a new kind of territory man v man like you know yeah 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 mm. uh, Inter- interpersonal relationships as opposed to yeah. Man versus the like, you know, your relationship with the infinite. Yeah, that's right. Mm. I think it's way more. I mean, for me, it's way more engaging. Yeah. Um, I found. Do you think it's because you can like, you know, not to say either of us are divorced or like have shitty marriages or anything, but it's you can relate to it on a more more personal level because it's yeah. 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 I, I've had the same conversations. Yeah. Um, nobody in my Cole and myself have never cheated on each other, mm-hmm. but we have had the conversation of the whole like problem of in-laws going to dinner situation. Yeah, yeah. And that, that creates tension. I think that's kind of common in oh, yeah, that, that's, you know that's, I mean? yeah, exactly. But the film is... It'll be a different experience for someone that's not married. I'm sure of it. Um, in fact, I'd be really interested to think what I would think pre-marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, wholly different experience, but... And then also someone post-divorce as well. Yeah, I think yeah, it'd yeah. be very interesting. Yeah. But it's a testament to the screenplay. I really delves deep and is so real. I think the, the camera work also assists with the realism. Yeah, it's um, very cinema verite where it's just he's plonking the camera down and just sitting back yeah. and just letting his actors do their thing and they do masterfully, I think. Yeah. But it becomes a, a mirror. Like, I, as I say, when I was when they were talking about the problem of, of going to dinner with the in-laws, it was like a fucking mirror, man. Like, I was like, dude, I, I had this conversation last week. Yeah, I know it. I know <laughs> you know it is. Like- um, so, so I think on the surface level, watching the the low production value, it just kind of went right out of the window. I didn't even give a shit because you were so engaged mm. um, with what was happening. And it's just a camera that's static, two people in a room talking for fucking like, sometimes the whole episode yeah, just is tw- just... 30, 40 minutes, and a lot of the time, it'd be maybe three shots, <laughs> like, for the whole... It's, yeah, it's really interesting. It's it does aid the, the realism, but um, would you be interested to find out that at the end of episode one in the miniseries, there's an abortion scene? Oh! Yeah. Okay. This is why this is why the miniseries is loads better. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, they set up, as we've discussed, they set up what their marriage is like. And it's kind of waning and there's dispassion. So uh, Marianne becomes pregnant and they have this really long discussion in bed about, do you keep the baby? And they have this back and forth between Johan and Marianne thinking, well, we could maybe, if we have a baby, it brings something more to the relationship. But then then again, maybe it's, you know. It could be a nail in the coffin. Like what, yeah. Yeah, we're just drawing this fucking this thing out but it's an attempt anyway it's an attempt to to try and reinvigorate their marriage yeah. and again there's another scene later in one of the other episodes where they try and they talk about going away in a holiday 
again, like an attempt to reinvigorate, but it yeah. kind of falls apart. Um, but this is why you go to watch the miniseries because that is the motivation that sets Marianne. Once there's the abortion, he, um, Johan's like, dude, I, I don't want to fucking think about this shit. I got a quote somewhere. Uh, Johan says to Marianne, uh, we're trying to avoid drama here. <laughs> That's what he says when, yeah. when she's like, maybe we keep the baby. He's like, we're trying to avoid drama here, uh, which is healthy in my opinion. And that just kind of underpins his whole rationale with the marriage. Let's not, let's not even think about the problems, ignore them. Yeah. Because we're just, we, we got to keep just up gotta, this image of We, we have to maintain. <laughs> yeah. And he even says like, this conversation's distasteful. Good Lord. And he just ends it. You know, like, like he doesn't even want to talk about the possibilities of a new life. Yeah. She gets an abortion. And that sets her off on this voyage of rediscovery and autonomy that she that, that she didn't have when you have the the beginning of the episode during the interview. Mm. So to pull that out, it, it in gives the film, her agency to some degree. Yeah, like it sets her on the the path. So to pull her pull that out of the film, it's like a pretty pivotal point in the the relationship. Yeah, yeah. So I was surprised that. That that wasn't that included. Yeah. To say the least, like, watch the film and then I watched the first episode again. And you're like, this like, is... Holy fuck, there's a fucking abortion. What else have I missed? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, so again, like, you can see later on in the film that, that things really start to deteriorate. Yeah. Because she's gone through this really traumatic event mm. and started to question, maybe this marriage is kind of fucked up. We are not addressing the problems. And then is it um, episode or like the second chapter? I'm just calling them chapters versus episodes because in the film version, it works uh, they're actually kind of... they actually Bergman referred to them as scenes. Okay, yeah. Well, in, then in scene two is that um, no, it's it's uh, number three is where Paula is Paula. introduced. Yeah. So all this time, Paula is um, a mistress of Johan. Mm. Sorry, I'll say as well, I've got the names of the episodes here written down as well. So we've got uh, Innocent and Panic. Is Innocence and Panic is number one. Uh, and then number two is The Art of Sweeping Things Under the Rug. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. And then They're I'm talking not- about their sex life a lot in that episode. Yes. And the fact that it's kind of not really there. And again, the, the passion is, is lost. Yeah. It, it is just a, it, it's a going through the motions and keeping up appearances thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, number three is Paula. Yes. Oh, this is where the film really picks up. Yes. Uh, where uh, Johan comes in and explains to Marianne that he has been having an affair with a young co-worker by the name of Paula. Mm. And he delivers it in the most blunt, matter-of-fact, I don't give a shit. <laughs> it is a gut punch, essentially. Yeah, like they're, they're going to bed. Well, he's driven up to... See, like the his wife and you know Marianne and the two daughters have gone away to their country cottage for the weekend and things, and he was supposed to join them, but he comes up a night early, and she's very excited. Oh my god, you're here, darling! And like goes to make him dinner, and he just sits down and he's just like, yeah, okay. So anyway, I've been cheating on you, and I'm going to leave tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, full on scene, man. Like just, and it, he delivers it with about as much feeling for her as I just did then. Like he is so blunt and so matter of fact that he. Like, what have I got written down in my note? Like, I wrote down, he becomes cruel once the weight of his guilt is lifted as well. Like, yeah. he he's a little woe is me. And then once, the second he explains what has happened, he almost shifts gears into 
now that I've told you what I need to tell you and that I'm leaving you and the daughter and the kids, you don't factor into my life whatsoever anymore. Yeah, it's time for me to sleep now. Yeah, he is so cold and so fucked up with it. He's so selfish. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the He's other great... Remarkable character. Yeah. Um, and I do love uh, what Bergman does with his camera when that happens and when he reveals about Paula, the camera immediately shifts away from him and it focuses for like the next 10 minutes solely on Marianne and we only hear him off camera. It's this brilliant way that he's doing, like he's just now like physically showing us with the camera, like he is disconnected from this now. He's no longer involved, like yeah. we're not even going to fucking see him. True. It, it's so well done. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a quiet film, but it really packs packs a punch. Mm. Um, but even even then, she's kind of taking all this in, and you can. I mean, the camera pulls in on her face to to some extent. But I thought what was really interesting was she didn't have her breakdown as a result of that until uh, the next scene afterwards, mm. uh, and that is when she called up her friends um, and and said, "Hey, you know." Well, I think Joh- that- Johan's leaving me and he's got a mistress and, 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 and they said oh we know yeah which is the, that's the added indignity of like A she's gone through I think that's like it finally hits her hard then because it's the thing of A it's absolutely terrible that this has happened to her and her husband's abandoning her and her children and things At, well, you know the kids they have together it's brutal and the way that he's delivered this news but then it's adding the indignity on top of that of all of their friends new yeah and also her, her image was hurt Yes. And I think that it's really interesting that... Not just that as well. I think it is that, uh, like, you know, the the idea of she thought they were her friends as well. But it's like, no, I guess everything was a sham, even our friendships and stuff. They're just there as a, you know, putting on the airs. <laughs> like, at the same, they're as fake as their marriage was. It was just the keeping up the appearances. The friendships are a matter of keeping up appearances. They they didn't okay. mean anything. Yeah. Because they, if they really were friends, they would... I could say something. <laughs> That's right. Hmm. So uh, this is, would you say that, first of all, I'm kind of reading from that, that Bergman is suggesting that everyone is caught in this problem. Everyone, every, certainly everybody in this film, from um, Johan to Marianne, to their friends, to the couple, to her mum, who is featured in the miniseries and not, I don't think in the film. Briefly, maybe. Very, very briefly. There's yeah. actually a really good scene in the last episode, I think it is, uh, in the miniseries mm. with her mum. Um, but everybody is caught in this problem. You don't ever get, you don't ever get, say, a couple from Poltergeist. Uh, yeah. I only mentioned that because you did a podcast recently, uh, and I watched the film and listened to your podcast, which is very good. Uh, and in Poltergeist, they have the the family unit. The two parents are the kind of people that smoke a joint in bed, oh, and have the, a really good time together. Oh, their relationship is it's gold. Like, it's gold. so great, golden, so good. But there's nobody in in this miniseries or film that. Bergman puts in to juxtapose this is the vision of a good marriage no he's really it, it's either he thinks that every marriage is like this which no, I or or, yeah. or he's like we're not going to worry about the juxtaposition we're going to focus on the bad yeah I think it's focusing on the bad because as we've learned a lot from Bergman he likes to wallow and focus solely on the negativity <laughs> <laughs> which isn't a bad thing that's not a bad thing um, but I think as well he he's not necessarily saying I don't think he's saying every marriage is that it's Every or everyone is involved in something like this. I think he's saying everyone has the potential to be to have this. But we're also th- this is what's really fucking amazing about this film is 
as we said before, I saw myself in the film. Mm-hmm. So even if you think that you have the perfect life or the perfect marriage, you're probably fooling yourself. And that's mm. what Bergman's trying to say, I think. Yeah, yeah. He, he is saying it, it's self-examining, essentially. Like, yeah. which is, like, again, what he was doing with a lot of his other films. It's, the, it's, it's creating art to help you self-examine your relationship with God, your relationship with spirituality, your relationship with the universe, your relationship with death. In this case, your relationship with your significant other, your relationships, your marriage. Yeah. He's he's creating a scenario and creating a piece of art that is supposed to. You're supposed to reflect yourself in it to some degree and learn and grow, and it affects you how it does. I think I think that's really important because usually I would. I think when I first watched Bergman, I, I kind of shied away from it. Yeah, because it is it's very full on with some yeah. of the stuff he's doing. And, yeah, you want to. I think like. Innately, you kind of want to resist self-examination to some degree. Yeah. Um, I think it was, like, we, we only started to really warm up to Bergman around the time of Wild Strawberries, where it was the guy tr- going on the road trip and, like, visiting the spots of his childhood and reminiscing, uh, essentially reflecting on his life and yeah. where he is now. That was the one where we were like, oh, that's what Bergman is. It's, it's reflection. That's... Yeah, but I, I also don't relate to the religious stuff because no. it's, it's not really been a part of my life. But but at the same time, you can ref- you can understand the idea of yeah. like someone you know having a crisis of faith or something. Yeah. Or like you I've can you can had... understand you can understand that struggle or like where that moral quandary comes from and things. I guess so. I'm just using like you know winter light as an example there. <laughs> but it, that's like why I, I kind of want to go and do another request episode where we go back and look at another one. I, I kind of want to go back to the Seventh Seal. Yeah, just to see. We should. I think we're kind of used to him now. Yeah, yeah, because that was very like real early on that that it kind of. Yeah, it totally threw us. Fucking yeah. Earthman. Like, so, yeah. but now having a better understanding of Bergman, I'd love to kind of go back to that one. Um, uh, let's get back to. Yeah, back to the back film. to the actual film slash miniseries. So we're talking about the abortion. We're talking about uh, the breakdown of the marriage. To the point where he runs off with Paula. And I think from this point on, you're seeing Johan completely just deteriorate. Yeah. But what's really lovely is you're also seeing Marianne kind of begin some serious growth. Yes. And actually becoming an autonomous woman. Yeah. uh, As a result of breaking away from the marriage. And it takes it. What I like is there's... Especially in the miniseries, it really draws out that process of it takes years and years and years to define what you are, but as an individual unit. Not by defining yourself by who you are, not what you do. It takes her a long time. I think like, I can't really remember how many years, but, but it's three or four years over a few episodes of the miniseries that she is able to pull away yeah. completely, break off from mm. Johan. Um, and understand herself as the individual unit. Meanwhile, Johan is kind of tripping over himself the whole time. He's he has he he's going out with Paula, but he's also got another fling. Yeah, and then things aren't working out with Paula, and he want he realizes he might have fucked up, and he wants to get back with Marianne. And so it's like this repetition of yeah, I'm with someone, but I'm still alone. So I'm going to meet up with another person. Yeah, behind that person's back. And he just and just. Com- continue this cycle all the way to the end she you know to yeah. the point of marianne becomes the fling yeah which is and it's that, down to that point of like i think like what what separates them as characters and what makes it such an interesting study is johan is the example of the person that just does self-interest and 
his self-centeredness is what fuels him and guides him. He is just a beast of, I know who I, like I said at the beginning, that opening, like he knows, thinks he knows exactly who he is and he is that through and through and through, or he's going to try and exemplify that and he's just going to do what he does, mm. regardless of what it ha- what happens to anyone else around him and how that affects others. Whereas Marianne is given this opportunity and instead does self-reflection and uses the opportunity to push every- everything that she thought she was or thought she used to define her herself has been broken down. Mm. So now it's an opportunity for her to actually explore who the fuck am I? Mm. And like you said, it takes years and years throughout the miniseries and we eventually see her grow and build as a character. And the film, or miniseries I should say, very wonderfully, um, at the beginning of the film, it it has her reading segments from her diary to Johan and then later on when they're like getting back together, like, you know, together signed divorce papers and things, she is now again writing in her diary and it wraps it back around. But at the beginning, she, she was saying she doesn't know who she is in her diary and then we're given an example of she reads him an excerpt of her clearly knowing who she is now. She's gone through this growth. She's gone through this horrible breakup and like this rediscovery and she is comfortable with who she is. She's figured it all out. And Johan falls asleep on the couch listening to her talk about it. (laughs) It's like the most perfect example of the arcs that these characters are going on. We're presented one character who is, an arc of self-destruction and self-loathing and self-centeredness yeah. that isn't actually going to grow. Meanwhile, everyone around him, Marianne in particular, is growing and changing and is beating him over the head with the idea of yeah. fucking dumbass, do you not see how we're all changing? And Bergman is presenting like these, this kind of double sides of the coin there. There's, there's even a scene, I, I don't know if it's, it's in the film a little bit, but it's really drawn out... Uh, in the miniseries with the the smoking lady mm. um, who was who you, you meet in the film initially when he's at work uh, yeah he's, he's, he's co-working poetry yeah. um, she actually loves him mm. oh yeah I got that from <laughs> yeah. yeah but she, she kind of loves him because he's kind of like a kid in many ways and needs to be looked after and mm. he's and she's sympathetic towards him because he never grows mm. it, she's sympathetic he's kind of pathetic yeah, but she loves him anyway. But no, nothing comes from that. He doesn't. He doesn't want to connect with that. Um, I guess because it breaks his the image his, of himself his, and his ethos. I guess yeah, and his ego. Yeah, there, there's a wonderful line where they describe themselves as emotional illiterates. Yeah, and that's just it perfectly. Yeah. And it's Marianne acknowledges that she's the one that's written that down and makes that self assessment of them, and she is cho- choosing to break from that and learn and grow. And he's like, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. Yeah, no yeah. worries. Meanwhile, <laughs> why, it, why won't anybody play with me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's not likable. Um, especially, I think uh, the divorce signing, divorce paper signing sequence. Oh yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it is like f- fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. That's 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 one scene in. That's one episode. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. It's, um, what's that one is uh, in the middle of the dark, night of the... No, it's uh, The Illiterates, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, I think where, so. where that... Yeah. This whole it kind of culminates in... Like, they made up... In the film, it's I think it's like a 30-minute sequence or mm-hmm. whatever, um, which in of itself is quite a long period of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in the episode, it's 50 minutes of this single scene. You're, you're in one room, and it's really shocking. 
quite well in that a lot of the time it's just Johan on one side, Marianne on the other. There's a desk. They're at like the negotiating table, basically. Mm. And there's like a lamp. Just think, separating. Just kind of separating the two. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just, that, that's the shot, you know, like just just simple and fucking effective yeah just so um, well done and it kind of culminates in in Johan thinking well hey all I can do is beat this woman apparently because you know that's how yeah <laughs> yeah okay, that's the only way he can address it's it's a breakdown of himself he's I mean because he hates himself afterwards for doing it yeah he it's, does a, it's a breakdown he, of what he is. He's so disconnected from who he is and what he is actually that he just... That's his only way he can think to express himself or... Yeah, it's terrible and, like, very fucked up, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really... It, yeah, it's amazing how you can, you can derive so much drama from two people in a scene f- in, in a room for 50 minutes. Mm. But then moving on from that... When you get the final episode, where it's, I think it's jumped quite a considerable amount of years, I think five to ten years, seven years, something like that. And you have Johan and Marianne catching up. They're married to other people, and they themselves have decided to go out into, you know, some corner of the world and and have a fling together, right? Mm. So I want to talk about what do you think that means, because... From Johan's point of view, he's he's in the same cycle. It just oh. so happens to be with Marianne. Yeah. So he's kind of gone full circle, but reversed in in a in a way. He's regressed all like yeah. He's just back where he started essentially, but with it, with the partner in a different position. Yeah. But then, what about Marianne? Because she's, I mean, she was kind of almost self actualized. I, I but think she's she, still she's in a marriage. Yeah, or a relationship, or, or is it a marriage? I think it's. Uh, oh, I think it's a marriage. Yeah, it yeah. They have at the start of the episode. She talks to her mom, yeah. and her mom is talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, no. Um, she's putting up the whole that whole image yeah. thing as well, saying like, "Oh no, our, our marriage was perfect, but I think like, we know we didn't have sex too much, and oh, actually, it was kind of fucked." I think it's because then she goes on to discuss later in that episode what her relationship and her marriage is, and she's finding herself back in that same position she was with Johan at the beginning. So I think what she's doing by having this fling with Johan is trying to allow herself an opportunity to try a different vantage point, I guess. Mm-hmm. Try try from what the other perspective, like what he was doing, see if that, you know, helps her achieve who she wants to be in things. It's kind of like she's willing to at least try different things to evolve or whatever and try and break from the cycle. But that's ultimately where where the miniseries ends up. I don't think they're heroes. No, no, God, no. No one's a hero. No, no, no. In a Bergman movie. We're talking about Bergman. Yeah, yeah. So I think think Bergman's almost saying like everyone... Everyone's kind of fucked and corrupted in their yeah, own yeah. way, oh. and they're destined to repeat their problems as well. That's what I was getting to. Like she's, she's, like I viewed it as her attempting to like try something new and try and break free from that cycle. But at the end of it all, it doesn't work. Yeah, okay. and she just ends up, and it's they at the at the end of this epic journey, both of these characters are exactly where they started off at, but in different situations. But they have not progressed it is just a continuing continuing vicious cycle of these people trying to one trying to figure out who she is and never being able to and one assuming he has and 
being just totally fucking wrong. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Because at times we fool ourselves at thinking that we're on the right path. And sometimes, I mean, there's genuine moments where I felt like Marianne was um, her own person and moving forward in yeah. in a very positive way. But uh, And I guess we do that as well um, to some degree. We think we're either... We think we're moving forward positively. Growing and changing. Or we fool ourselves thinking that we're moving forward positively. Mm. Uh, and it's just kind of this ebb and flow throughout life. And I, I like... I'm thinking that's why I start to like Bergman now. Yeah. Because he he does not shy away from going like, you know, it'd be nice if everything was all fucking sunrises and butterflies, but it's fucking not, man. It sure as fuck ain't. <laughs> Here's a nice magnifying glass on what it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's Yeah, it's, it's pretty courageous, like, mm. for a guy to just, his whole career, to just go like, yeah, man, I, I'm fucked. You're fucked. We're all fucked. We're just going to examine that. Let's just sit down and talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. just all talk about how we're all fucked. Yeah. Put, on, put on your courage hat and, yeah. and jump jump forward into the darkness. And hopefully if this connects to you on some level, you might be a little less fucked. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll grow. Yeah. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll grow a little bit. Exactly. Unlike the characters in all of my films. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's pretty like Marianne grew, but then she regressed. Yeah. Um, and it is, and I'm, I dare say, like that will be her lot in life is like to grow regress grow regress just this continual cycle that she will be trapped on yeah yeah, yeah. I think to Bergman like the best scenario is like two steps forward one step back yeah followed by two steps forward yeah maybe and one step back mm. it, it, it's a pretty phenomenal film slash miniseries uh, I, I think it's my favourite I've seen of his work wow okay that, that's, a, that's pretty bold yeah nice I, no I, I was I think it's fantastic I think the, obviously, Liv Ullman is outstanding. Mm-hmm. She always, she's always outstanding. Every oh, time yeah. I see her, I'm just really wowed by her. Uh, this screenplay is fucking amazing. Mm. Um, and even though the production value is so minimal, it it's it's real and effective. To it. Yeah, it's so effective. Exactly. Mm. It is, and it is. I think that that it is that cinema verite star where it is that almost pseudo documentary esque where it just is letting it happen. And you just... It feels fucking real. And it's great. It's definitely... Definitely very real. Mm. Um, In my notes as well, I had written down, like, in particular towards the end, it is so clear the influence that this has had on early... Like, you know, films of Woody Allen. Things like Husbands and Wives and things. Like, it is so evident the, the impact that this has had on his work yeah. as well as uh, Richard Linklater in particular the Before trilogy which um, I don't know if you've seen any of those Before Sunset Before Sunrise and Before Midnight I haven't seen them no. uh, it's a trilogy of films with uh, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy um, and they were made 10 years apart each and um, oh, yeah. it's uh, these two people uh, Celine and Jesse they meet uh, and they spend a night together in Paris just kind of walking around uh, and the next is they meet 10 years later and they spend an afternoon walking around and discussing where they are in their lives and philosophy and stuff and then mm-hmm. another 10 years later they're married and have some kids huh. and in particular before midnight this is very clearly influenced by uh, scenes from marriage I think I read something where Ethan Hawke because they, they co-wrote the scripts as well I think Hawke and Linklater said like oh yeah like working on that like Bergman was 
God and the Bible for <laughs> for making these films. Yeah. It's like that's what we try, like you know, to shine a light on just the bluntness of and reflect a relationship and a marriage. And it's yeah. yeah, I just got such clear before midnight vibes off of this. I feel like yeah, this is the high water mark of a marriage story. Yeah, I mean, God speaking of which as well, like marriage story Noah Baumbach, which a yeah. lot of people like obviously this of this last year were saying like, wow, this is very Woody Allen influenced, and it's like yeah. It's Woody Allen, who is then influenced by Berg. <laughs> like, it's that kind of sick, like, that jumping train of influence there. Yeah. And um, I, I don't think Marriage Story necessarily as much, because it is very much an old Baumbach film. It has that light playfulness and that kind of tone to it. It which... starts off as... Um, I actually haven't seen the whole thing. I only saw the first 20 minutes. And it mm-hmm. starts off like a fucking rom-com. Well, it's it, like, he does a brilliant storytelling thing device where he shows you everything good about the relationship and yeah. then just systematically... Okay. breaks it down and yeah. it gets very kind of sad and tragic and stuff towards the end but it's it's still has that kind of upbeat kind of twinge to it I I'll, guess I'll some watch it. offbeat kind of mm-hmm. comedy and yeah it's it's like I said it's more Woody Allen than Bergman but it is very clearly Woody Allen ripping off Bergman <laughs> I, I'm gonna for. watch it um, I'm gonna watch it this way because I was gonna watch it I started watching it for our 2019 mm. end, of, end of year yeah because I loved it I, um, I'm a big big fan but I had you know the baby was getting in the way of my viewing pleasure um, so I put it down I haven't put, picked it up yet but mm. now that I've seen scenes from marriage I'm gonna have to yeah, they, they are very different. Like, because I, I went into scenes from marriage thinking that they would be similar, similar and new. Not at all. Like, I mean, there are some very base parallels, and that you know, it's a deconstruction of a marriage and you know, going through a divorce, but it's not much else, I would say. Mm. So, yeah. But um, yeah, fuck oath. I really dug this. I think at some point I'll uh, sit down and go through the mini series as well. I'll have to go back and do that. I think. Yeah, it's it's really good. They um they give a an intro that kind of revisits the previous episode which oh, nice. really helps you sometimes yep. to figure out like oh we're jumping years so we mm. need that catch up uh, but also uh, a really really interesting flair that I that I thought was kind of cool uh, in the miniseries at the end of each episode the narrator comes in and reads the credits oh. you, don't, you don't see text you do see text at the very very end but it's an interesting way of dealing with the end You've seen this sequence of events, which can be quite confronting sometimes. And then Bergman puts a shot of a pretty stark landscape, usually. Sometimes it's uh, a field covered in mist, and there's kind of... It's winter, so the trees don't have any leaves. It's all very Bergman. It's very Bergman. <laughs> it's very, very Bergman-y. And the narrator just says, oh, you know, while you're contemplating this episode, the previous scenes, I'm just going to... Let's, let's watch this meadow... While I read the credits, Liv Ullman played yeah, <laughs> yeah. wow. and and you just kind of sit there and and it gives you like this moment to just think about what just happened. There's a one of them is I think my favorite one was just a body of water to, filled up the whole frame and it was just raining oh, into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's yeah, very yeah. Bergman-y. Yeah, but I you know that kind of thing is just like yeah Bergman. Yeah, let me let me ruminate. Yeah, <laughs> let me sit here and contemplate life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really One, good. wonderful. Um, all right. Well, do you want to hear a little bit about uh, some trivia about it? Sure. Uh, so the film was nominated for a golden. Uh, so sorry, the film won a Golden Globe for best foreign film and was nominated for best actress in a motion picture drama uh, at, at the uh, nineteen seventy 
four or five Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liv Orman was also nominated for a BAFTA for Best Actress. Uh, it was listed by the National Board of Review as one of the top ten, uh, the top foreign films of 1974. Uh, the film was ruled ineligible for Oscar consideration because it, uh, the longer miniseries version had already been telecast in Sweden. So that kind of oh, wow. made it ineligible. Um, Bergman's original uh, the oh, the original miniseries was a huge hit in Swedish television. Uh, it, <laughs> it was the, always the director's intent to reach a mass audience, uh, but he was staggered by the reaction that it generated. Uh, he would himself he would find himself frequently accosted in the street by bickering couples <laughs> desperate for advice. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, eventually, I'm to Bergman for advice. Yeah, eventually he had to change his phone number to escape the constant barrage of uh, people coming in. <laughs> Holy shit! But this is it's a testament to what it, what it is. Yeah, it, I mean, even now it's fifty years old, and I'm fucking thinking like, dude, yeah. I see myself there. The, the, like I said, he he so perfectly puts a magnifying glass up to interpersonal relationships yeah. and you just can't help but find yourself in some degree of it and connect with it yeah it's phenomenal uh, according to an interview with Bergman uh, the original TV miniseries version uh, was broadcast in, when it was broadcast in Sweden uh, the divorce rate in Sweden increased substantially and the number of married couples uh, who would seek marriage counselling doubled wow yeah so it actually kind of forced people to acknowledge and like, address issues holy <laughs> fucking shit yeah uh, Bergman wrote the, the screenplay for a scene from marriage uh, over three months, drawing from his personal experiences, uh, including his relationship with Liv Ullman, uh, his unhappy eventual uh, dissolved marriages with Kabi uh, Larete and Gunn Hadberg, and the marriage of his parents, uh, Karen and Eric Bergman, his parents. Mm, uh, obviously, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Karen. <laughs> uh, as a boy, uh, he had witnessed his parents violently wrestling uh, with Karen slapping Eric, and Eric pushed her against the wall. Uh, Bergman was always uh, always found his mother to be the manipulative one. Which okay. I thought that was this kind explains of... a lot. I was gonna yeah, I need to know this kind of thing. Puts it into context why he's the way he is. Mm. Uh, the budget was approximately one third that of Bergman's previous film, Cries and Whispers. Uh, with half covered by the Swedish television and half by the foreign companies. Uh, it was filmed in Stockholm. Uh, What's what, the budget? I don't have the exact figure, unfortunately. Because it's so minimal, man. Like, yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, it being half... And Cries and Whispers was not that okay. broad. I'm going to look up Cries and Whispers and we'll half it. See if you can find that budget. Uh, while you're doing that... Um, yeah, so uh, cinematographer was Sven Nyquist, who is an amazing cinematographer. Uh, so it's interesting to see him do such a pared down, kind of stripped down version of his amazing visuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, he emphasized close-ups and employed uh, small indoor film sets. Uh, Nyquist uh, later regretted not using more tracking shots when he learned the miniseries would eventually have a theatrical release. And uh, the filming schedule was uh, one week per episode. Holy shit, yeah. Yeah, so they really took their time with it. Okay, it's 1.5... For Cries and Whispers... It's 1.5 million krona. Okay, so 750,000 krona. Yeah. Mm. But that's, and that's, uh, okay, so today's standard is 10, 10, United, 10 cents um, of US dollars. So put that down to $75,000 US. Yep, okay. <laughs> so very cheap, cheap, cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap. <laughs> very, very effective. It proves you don't need a lot of money to make something fucking effective. Unless I've done my mouth wrong because I did it in my head. Yeah, meh. But whatever. That works. Um, so we'll move on to the actual Criterion edition itself. Uh, so it is still available from Criterion as a two-disc Blu-ray, three-disc DVD, 
or in the immensely huge 30-disc Ingmar Bergman cinema box set. Uh, it's also available on the Criterion Channel streaming service. But the special features for the physical releases, you have an interview with Ingmar Bergman from 1986, uh, interviews from 2003 with actors Liv Ullman and Erland Josephson, Josephson. Um, interview from 2003 with Bergman scholar Peter Cowie comparing the two versions of Scenes from Marriage as well as the usual booklet and essays that Criterion usually do mm-hmm. so a decent enough version I might actually get this I, yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit yeah it's pretty spectacular and being able to kind of go back to the miniseries and things every once in a while wouldn't be a bad idea I think uh, exactly it's, it's worth seeing the miniseries. Yeah, really. I, I very much plan to. Um, um, so, yes, so I guess unless we got anything else, that'll probably wrap us up for Scenes from Marriage. I think it will, yeah. All right, well, I guess tune in next week um, when we... I think we have our first Robert Altman film for the collection. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Robert Altman fan, so and I've actually seen this one before. You're looking up who Robert Altman is, aren't you? I am, yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, Nashville, Shortcuts, The Player, um, Gosford Park. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Great, great, great classic filmmaker. Brewster McLeod. <laughs> like, you know, just heaps, heaps, heaps. Um, amazing, amazing filmmaker. Uh, MASH, the original. God, how could I forget MASH? Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> um, yeah, there we go. Yeah, so we're going to do uh, his film Three Women. Popeye. Yeah, which Robin Williams. people have started to reconsider. It's not that bad. It's it's interesting. It's a weird little movie, that one. It sure is. Mm. But, um, yeah, so tune in in a fortnight... Uh, I'm so used to saying fortnight's time. No, fuck it. Tune in uh, next week. Oh, you might get sick again. I don't know. No, I think I'm good now. I've got, I only get sick maybe once a year, so I'm like, <laughs> it's done now. I've knocked it out in February. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, so tune in next week when we uh, tackle Altman's Three Women... Otherwise, uh, you can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail.com or you can follow me on Twitter at CriterionQuest or shameless plug, because Tom already mentioned it, I've got my other podcast, uh, You Haven't Seen That? Question mark, exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, where a friend of ours, Eric, uh, he's been on an episode of this show, I think, maybe. Um, he yeah, has. Uh, where we watch the films that he missed in his childhood. Our most recent episode was Poltergeist. Uh, Tom was on when we did uh, Showgirls. <laughs> Great episode. And Fantasia. (laughs) Two very disparate films. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, yeah, feel free to have a listen to that. And, you know what? Fuck it. Rate and review us, all that stuff. Whatever. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, For this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Tom. See you next time.